Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo and Nafi here on this Saturday, July 17th. Here to talk about everything that's been going on in the NBA and the New York Knicks. How you doing, man? How you feeling today? Can't complain, bro. Been a hell of a week, but it's Saturday. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, here to talk ball. I feel like where we last left off, some things have happened. I mean, that's how the NBA is around this offseason, summertime. Um, yeah, ready to get into it, bro. How you doing, though? Uh, I'm doing well. A lot of shit going on, but I'm excited for the NBA. The finals have been amazing. I know last time, we're not really going to get into the finals yet, but you did mention last time that you thought that the, that the Bucks were going to go on a 4-0 run when they were down 2-0, and it looks like halfway you're halfway there. right so far. They, they, it's 2-2 two and two right now with game uh, 5 later tonight in Phoenix, so we'll see how that game goes, but uh, I'm, I'm happy we got a series. Yeah, bro. Um, yeah, like you said, we'll talk about the finals a little later, but we got some more Knicks-related stuff we want to talk about, um, and it involves the first topic on our little rundown sheet is a player that isn't necessarily a Nick, but could be. And he's one of your favorite players. We've discussed him previously on a pod. Um, some stuff have happened. Some news, is, or not news, rumors, gossip, has uh, made its way to the forefront with our old pal Dame Lillard. Um, I guess we could start with former ESPN writer Henry Abbott. So this man is no longer part of NBA, but I believe he's based in Oregon, Portland. And um, he had said that he heard from a reliable source that Dame is going to request a trade in the next few days, which is mad ominous. You know what I mean? Like, it's a vague report. But, yeah, that's I guess that's what kicked off the bullshit yesterday on Twitter. And then just, like, mad verified reporters I never heard of just, po- like, mm. verified as in, like, they had the verified little check mark on Twitter. But I never heard of them, and it happens every summer that these dudes come out of the woodwork and like post NBA news that never ends up going anywhere. But a few of them yesterday was uh, talking about how like Dame officially requested out and he wants the Knicks. So I guess, what are your thoughts on so far what you've seen, and do you buy into any of this? Because Dame himself actually came out with an interview, but that's that's the next topic. But I want to talk. I want to get your feeling on the rumors so far. I mean, first of all, don't you just love the off season? Like I, I, we live for this stuff as as content creators and podcasters. We love these rumors and we love the the trade rumors and potential guys making requests and 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 you know free agency and all that. Uh, the season is great, but the off season is is another is another kind of beast. Um, so we we hit it off with Dame Lillard, and that's been going on for uh, a little while. So. The rumors started, I want to say, a couple of weeks ago. Um, once they fired Terry Stotts and the coaching uh, search started, and Chauncey's whole, you know, al- not allegations and just true shit, horrible shit that happened, you know, years before that he paid paid off, and that's that that's you know a different matter from what we're discussing here. Um, 
But what we see happening is that it was leaked out that Dame Lillard wants to trade, and he went on a live interview and basically said these these rumors are not true. But at the same time, I want the situation that I'm in to be a winning situation. You know, he says something along the lines of that. So what I see there is a very diplomatic guy who is kind of playing the field there and kind of working both ways. So whatever he does end up doing, he kind of covered himself. And, um, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording and you had your, your line of predictions. And one of them came true just five minutes after you said it. We saw uh, a tweet come out. So. I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you tell us what you what you predicted is gonna is, is gonna happen. Oh my bad. I thought you were gonna let me gloat, but yeah. No, no I'm letting I'm letting you glow right now. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna gloat, but my whole thinking is with these this era of player empowerment. These players want to control their narrative. You know what I mean? And part of that is being able to, I guess, dictate when certain rumors or reports come out that are tied back to them. AKA when so and so requested a trade. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was last year with the Harden situation, you know, the word was Harden was fed up and he was about to request a trade, but it didn't become, shit didn't hit the fan until Mr. Shams Charania dropped in, uh, dropped the report thing saying, like, Hard, James Harden has officially requested out and he has Brooklyn and Philadelphia as his top two on his list, right? So with that being said, seeing, um, seeing, like, Dame come out with Chris Haynes yesterday who... At this point, if you don't understand, if you follow the NBA like some nerds like we do, you know what I mean, with like some uh, keen attention to detail, and we know who reporters are, then you know Chris Haynes. This man is Dane's literal, literally his publicist, basically, with a Yahoo like press badge on his on his like sleeve. Mm-hmm. But you know, it wasn't a surprise he came out or interview with him, and basically what you you stated the main content of that is. But that came out after like a couple hours of just rumors, right? So my whole thing was like, you know. That was strategic. Dame came out. He did. He wants to control the narrative. He doesn't want his impending trade requests and all that that hoopla to have been dictated or like start from a reporter saying, "Oh, Dame is going to request a trade soon." You know what I mean? So I think it all owns up to these guys are like are in charge of their brand, which is AKA themselves, and right. Dame wants to control the narrative. So now you got this. Like yesterday, Dame came out and said, "Like, oh no, I haven't requested that yet," but. You know, like you said, he was being diplomatic about it. Then today, what was it like? Dame's going to meet with Chauncey in the front office. My whole thing is we're going to, like, we had the denial from Dame. My theory I told you offhand that you just attested to was that we're going to see a report within the next few days, is my prediction, that Dame is going to meet with leadership to talk about how they can make the roster better. They're going to, you know, voice irreparable damages or, like, not, like, Dame's going to be like, oh, you know, he spoke to them. He He wasn't satisfied about what they're, you know, suggestions were to improve the roster, and then he's going to request a trade. This is step one. We just got the report, like you said, that he's going to meet with the front office. I think step two after that is going to be some fallout from that meeting, and then boom, trade request official. Dame looks like he he owns the process mm-hmm. of this this whole trade um, rumor or gossip, as opposed to like the attention being on this reporter who, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm just. I don't even know who Henry Abbott personally. All I, just, all I just know is when he was at ESPN, he had like a vendetta against Kobe. And I think that stemmed from the, the Portland Lakers series in the year 2000, I think. So that's why I'm thinking he has some sources in the Portland organization. And I don't think Dame fucks with him like that because, you know, he would probably have sourced a source close to Dame. You know what I mean? But that's neither here nor there. I mean, that was my whole take on it, and it seems like it's coming to fruition. So with that being said... That obviously indicates there's legitimacy behind 
Dame wanting out mm-hmm. and that coming soon. So I'm going to pass it over to you. I mean, we talked about it pre- previously, but would you say, aside from Dame himself, aside from Chris Haynes, aside from Henry Abbott, say these reporters, quote-unquote reporters, these randoms with, with blue check marks, are right and that Dame has his eyes on New York as his main target, are you throwing RJ in the deal? Revisiting this conversation, are you gonna? Are you give? Are you gutting it all for Dame? Basically, well, Dame has been probably in the last decade a top ten player. You know, without much, doing much research on it and really thinking too much about it, I I think I can say pretty confidently he was a top ten player and has is the owner of many historic moments, especially in the playoffs. Uh, closed out two two series with the buzzer beater, buzzer beating game winner. And has been a guy who whose personality is one that I really fuck with. He has that kind of mama mentality where he's going to work his ass off and grind whether or not he has help and do his best to win at all costs. At this point, it's been so long that, you know, he's he's really seeing a position, his position on the team being one where he's not going to get any better, uh, where the team overall itself is not going to get any better. Um, it is at the end of Portland. It's not really a hot spot for free agents, and they're always so good that they don't get those draft picks in the lottery. So he sees his age, 31 years old, and in a position where you know he said it in that interview with Chris Haynes that he looks at he looks at himself in the mirror every time that they lose and question and lets himself know and reminds himself that you didn't win a championship. You could have done better, you know. And at this point in time, he's he's playing for Team USA, and he's ramping up his workouts because his body is starting to age. And as that happens, there are different kind of routines you have to put on at the, while being able to play at a class that you've been playing at for so many years. Now, that being said, Dame Lillard is one of my favorite players in the NBA, and I love the way he plays. I think he would have been amazing on the Knicks. But right now, at this point in time, he's 31 years old. And if I would, want, if I would trade R.J. Barrett for Dame Lillard, that's a hard no. No, no way. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they go, they gonna call us homers, bro. They gonna call yeah. you a homer if they hear that. You know what I mean? They're calling us homers, and but that, at that point, when you have Dame Lillard and and Julius Randle being the two, like being the duo on the Knicks, you're not gonna get really much past the second round at that point. I mean, Randle is we're we're seeing the best of Randle right now. We've is it is it. I'm not going to say we've seen the best of Dame yet. He's not that old. He's not like 35, 36 years old. He's only, he is still just 31 years old, and his style of play doesn't really involve banging so much. He's a shooter, so pause. Um, he, he, could, you know, he could light oh, it up wow. at any time. But <laughs> at that point, you know, we, I, I, I don't want to trade R.J. Barrett unless it's like a top six or seven caliber player in the NBA and right now Dame is maybe top 15 20 kind of player right now all due respect to him yeah and I think he's I agree with you he's in that top 10 top 15 range where you could probably argue for top seven I'm not one of those folks it seems like you're not one of those folks obviously but the thing about just like like this whole homer kind of like perspective people put on what we're thinking right now it's not that Dame isn't worth RJ and all these picks he is but it's also situational. You got to look at it. Like, are we in a position where we already have a superstar in place, and Dame is that second piece we need to, you know, accentuate this the superstar in place? I mean, with Randall's playoff series, and I love the dude, love what he's done this season. But with that playoff series, it confirmed he's not a superstar. He's at best a sidekick to a superstar. 
And if you're going all in like that for Dame, to your point, it's like you depending on that roster, basically, as in like th- those two are your main guys, your big guns, and you got to complement around them. And in that scenario, I'm thinking you could probably keep Mitch, but is Mitch like, is Mitch Julius Dame in the East with Brooklyn, with uh, Philly uh, lurking, Milwaukee. with Milwaukee, obviously? Is that a big three that's going to contend? Optimistically, you could probably think so. We'll pro- we'd probably convince ourselves that it could contend if it were to happen. But realistically, looking at it right now, objectively, I don't think they're they're in that same conversation. You know what I mean? And with and like I always keep going back to kind of the same kind of scenario we played on in a previous episode, maybe even just a year ago. But it was about Bradley Beal, and it was basically like I would give it all for Bradley Beal only if like it's a situation where Kawhi's coming, he's about to sign, but he's like, no, give me give me a superstar, uh, you know, a co-star. To play with, and in that scenario, I do it because then boom, you got you got two, you got a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? So you got mm-hmm. two stars right there. You give it all up and you go to war with them. I don't think this is that scenario. Dame is going to be the first guy, and with Kawhi, you know the name that like a lot of Knicks fans, super hopeful Knicks fans. I I, I gave it like a half of one percent chance, a point five percent shot of us even having a conversation with Kawhi this summer. But he just tore his ACL. He's probably going to be out for six to nine months. That changes the equation. What yeah. star is there available? You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, and I think I just think situationally is in the right time. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to add on to you. I'm not going to answer your point, but I'm going to throw in a question there. You said that Julius is better off as a sidekick. He could end up being, theoretically, Dame's sidekick, you know, star-level player. And um, Theoretically, yeah, yeah. The Knicks are, without Dame and with Alfred Payton and R.J. Barrett, a, they were a fourth seed you know, team. If Dame's on that team, if you if you swap it out and let's say it's RJ Barrett and a couple and some picks and Dame Lillard's in there, no Alfred Payne, with that same squad that we have, minus RJ Barrett plus Dame Lillard, is that a top three seed team? Or do you think that it's I that- think it could be I think top three seed, I think with that kind of roster framework, like to respond to that, I think Tibbs with the way he coaches during the regular season, it would be a top three seed achievable just because we play balls out during the season, right. so Chicago in his first season won sixty games, and you look at that roster right now, like yeah, you had an All Star in Boozer, and you got an MVP in D Rose, but that roster was just like a bunch of try hard guys, you know what I mean? That were good at what they were at their role player skill sets. So I think I think it's not even just about top three seed regular season success; it's about like giving up all those assets for that competing uh, for that for that chance to contend. And to your point about if we can make the deal without RJ, I think that's the key. If you can get Dame and keep RJ. That changes the equation because I don't think it's necessarily oh it's just Dame and and Julius, RJ, very conceivably can grow into that third part of that big three. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You need that like up upside play for the shot that he could complement your two stars. And I'm not compare. I'm I'm not saying RJ's Kuzma, but that was the Lakers thinking. You know what I mean? RJ blows away Kuzma's potential at this stage in their in Easily. their what is it after that two years. First of all, because Kuzma came into the league at 25. My boy's like 30 now, right now. Exactly, and that was, that was the thinking with the Lakers that, like, okay, we're going to give away all these young pieces, but at least we're keeping Kuzma for the chance at a lottery ticket that he becomes part of that big three. It's no way even came close to happening or even, even you know, even being close to Kuzma even being a positive, consistent contributor. But it don't matter because they want to ring. You exactly, know what I mean? yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I- I'm down to give up the farm minus R.J. Barrett for Dame Lillard if they have a couple of upcoming picks. Like I, we love this whole roster, top to bottom. You can listen to any episode you want from the last year, and that that proves it. But I'm down to give up IQ. I'm down to give up Obi. I'm down to give up any player you name. 
even maybe Mitchell, even even Mitchell Robinson, because at that point it, it's just it's just it's stupid enough. It's stupid for us to suggest that we can make a trade for Dame and not throw in R.J. Barrett or Mitchell Robinson in there. We'd have to throw at least one of those guys in there. Um, I think I think a squad with Dame, R.J. and Julius Randle. That's that's the squad that could be a title contender with you know with some key role players around them. I think they could do it. Would Portland do it though? Because at the end of the day, it's just like that's going to be my next question. If it's possible to get RJ, or if it's possible to get Dame without RJ included, rather, it would have to be a multiple team trade then, like three to four team trade, so that like in lieu of RJ being in the deal, Portland would get some assets, additional assets to kind of offset not having that quote unquote uh, young building block. And I mean, we both think IQ can be a building block for sure. OB maybe possibly after his positive end to the season, but. Would, it, would, would Portland be willing to do that? Because we saw, you know, Houston was willing to at least work to get Harden to his preferred destination. That shit ended up being like a three-way trade with uh, Cleveland, I think. You know what I mean? Um, they didn't necessarily, Houston necessarily didn't like the young players that Brooklyn was offering because Jared Allen went to Cleveland. Um, Karis LeVert went to Indiana. That was a four-team trade. Not, mm-hmm. not that I think about it. It was Cleveland and the Pacers. Houston preferred... You know what I mean? So that tells you about that package in comparison to like possibly creating a package for Dame. And I know Harden, to me personally, he's better than Dame. And I think he was, yeah. I think they were the same age last year, right? So when you look at that package compared to what we're, all these configurations we're trying to put out there for, for Dame without RJ, I think it could be comparable. You know what I mean? Um, I just think RJ is the piece that ma- would make our deal or our package better than what, it would definitively make our package better than Brooklyn's package for Harden. But like like we're saying, I don't think it makes sense to do it. So I think if you're if you're Portland, right? Let's say we get a third team involved. Um, would you trade Dame if you know that you weren't going to get RJ Barrett? I wouldn't if I was Portland. But what do you think? You're saying if I were Portland, would I trade Dame if I don't get RJ Barrett? Yeah. If I could get an RJ equivalent. And the Knicks to get that RJ equivalent costs a lot less than RJ Barrett. Yeah, because if because we, the Rockets, their star prize ended up being Victor Oladipo, and to Which get Victor flipped for like a second round pick. Exactly, and Victor Oladipo was flipped for Karis LeVert pretty much, if I'm remembering it right. So, kind of they they might want an RJ equivalent kind of player, and I mean it depends on how the league sees RJ Barrett. I know the Knicks fans see RJ Barrett. For some reason, a lot higher than the rest of the league sees him. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves, and that might work to our favor and our advantage in the sense that we might not need to to give up R.J. Barrett. But if they do see him in the in the way that we see him, which they should, because they are actual, you know, professional. They're a professional <laughs> team, like they know their shit. Um, they might they might want an R.J. equivalent from from another team, and you know, maybe like a Karis LeVert or yeah. some something like that, a caliber like Karis LeVert, R.J. Barrett. I, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head who that third team could be. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe the Nuggets or some shit. Maybe Jamal Murray. What's killing me, though, is that I'm seeing, like, well, what's well, not killing me, what's been bothering me, though, is the fact that I'm seeing these Team USA, like, photos on Twitter, and Dame is looking mad chummy with Tatum and Beal. And in the back of my mind, my, like, basketball conspiracy theory uh, theorist like mindset is kicking in i'm just like somehow some way is brad stevens about to make that a thing like he's, he's gonna have a big three of tatum beal 
and Lillard. You think about it. Like, mm. what if they? What if Boston pulls off that crazy trade? They get Lillard in there. All Beal has to do is just sign next season, and like in the meantime, Boston can try to go to war with Tatum and Lillard. Then the next mm. offseason, empty out the cupboard so that they could throw that third max slot to Beal, and it would just be them three plus whatever the fuck scrubs they can add to that. Because like if you think, look at all the history of just the player movement in the last decade since my uh, since Miami's big three formed, it all goes back to Team USA. It all goes back to these players bonding outside of the NBA confines and Team USA basketball, Olympic basketball being the perfect opportunity for that. Because I don't know if you recall, but the 2019 offseason, once Brooklyn made that huge splash, which didn't help them win a playoff series when they needed it most. But <laughs> when they made their big splash, all we heard, or all was reported afterwards was like, oh, KD, Kyrie, and DeAndre Jordan, of all people, um, formulated this plot at, uh, at during the Olympics when they were on the team together. It was either the Olympics or like the FIBA championship. They apparently rented a boat, was playing cards, and they were just like, hey, why don't we all just play together? All right, guys, let's do it. So that's the kind of shit that happens with these players. Yeah. So I'm just seeing this shit. I'm just like, oh, man, Dame is getting too chummy with Tatum. Don't tell me we're going to have to deal with this big three in, in in the East. So I'm thinking, and then you you play into the fact that we're Knicks fans. Knicks have been used as leverage before m- countless times, many times, by other players to either drive up their price in free agency or – by teams to drive up the price for a trade package. Like mm-hmm. we were we were in the conversation with A D. Do you remember that? Yep. We were possibly floated for Butler both like both times where mm-hmm. he got traded. We were possibly floated for Harden even for a little bit last year. A little bit, but then it went to Brooklyn. Um because obviously because K D and Kyrie were there. But so it's just like are we the initial name, quote unquote, that's being connected to Dame as like a cover, quote unquote smoke screen for that second team that's lurking? That's what I've been thinking, bro. I don't know if it's a possibility if Boston would do it, but it makes sense. Boston's in the East. You know, Portland has no beef with Boston. You know what I mean? Damn, so um, you're you, you breaking my heart right now. I'm, I'm saying, bro, it could possibly happen because if you think about it, Jalen Brown for Dame. Jalen that Brown makes too like, much sense. They were they were on, they were were on a seven-seed team. They way underperformed. Everybody thought they'd be exactly. like a top-three team. They obviously underperformed with not that much injuries. Uh, and, you know, exactly. most, of their, most of their guys were on the squad with Brad teams. They couldn't do it. Fuck, that makes too much sense. Ime Udoka, he's he. I think he was on the Portland coaching staff. Correct me, or not even. Maybe he even played in Portland in Dames for a season together, or some shit like that. Some crazy shit like that. Um, and the, the the Boston coaching staff, they've been at, they added Damon Stoudemire, a Portland Trailblazers Portland Trailblazers legend. Got they've added like one or two guys under Udoka that have a tie back to Portland. Not not necessarily when Dame was there, but within the Portland organization, I almost feel like. He, I'm looking then, up right now. He, uh, actually, no, keep going. Yeah, no, and then on top of that, Tatum is childhood pals with Bradley Beal because they're like St. Louis, like, uh, butt buddies. You know what I mean? They always talk about that, about how, like, you know, they're cool, they're mad tight, they're from the same place. You know what I mean? So that's the friendship that's going to, like, bring Dame into the, into the equation, you know what I mean? He's the third party that's crashing this 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 bromance, and that's good. That might be a big three, and it all fit together. Tatum as a small forward, power forward, Beal and Lillard in the backcourt, bro. And if I'm Portland, I want Jalen Brown, easy peasy. You know what I mean? Because Portland being the small market that it is, 
do you think they want to do like a nasty ass rebuild you know what i mean or do you think they want to kind of remain competitive because word is also coming out that their owner judy miller she took over paul miller a former uh microsoft billionaire ceo who passed away there's rumors she wants to sell the team mm. you can't it's a lot easier to sell a team if you guys have like a marketable marketable like young players or stars or a competitive squad jalen brown with cj mccollum and or who the fuck is that who else is on portland but regardless jalen brown and cj mccollum is at least competitive you know what i mean yeah i mean that squad like the Rockets up until last year have been competitive for like the last 20 to 25 years. Like last quarter century, every year they had a pretty good squad. Back, you know, dating back to LaMarcus Aldridge to Brandon Roy to the old, like with Scottie Pippen and then um, Rasheed Wallace. Like you, you can think of most of the, most of the times of the, that this franchise had and it's been a competitive season. So I don't see them trying, not trying to keep that going. But, yeah, the last time I remember yeah. them even being in a tank conversation was the Greg Oden KD draft. Right. I mean, and they fucked that up. So, and I feel like that's the kind of thing that scars a franchise to the point where like we're not going to tank ever again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yo. So I don't think they're trying to go back to that. I feel, I feel like Jalen Brown <laughs> was a nice fit, man. I mean, shit. It, I, I just scared myself because I've been taking this and I just in this oh, podcast man. real time just thought out the entire scenario and it just makes too much sense now. That's the type of shit that'll happen where... It's a, it would be a woge bomb that would surprise, but then when you think about it afterwards, it would make sense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, man. How many picks do but the Celtics I, have? I, I feel like they have a decent amount. I'm actually going to Real GM right now. Shout out to them for the last decade plus. Been holding it down for the basketball nerds. They... And they after don't have we any... figure that out, we got we to gotta move forward. But So fine. they have... All yeah. their first-round picks except for their 2021, which is going to OKC. But um, they have multiple second-round picks coming in for 2022 and 2023. So aside from this coming year, they have all their picks. They could literally do the Brooklyn package. Just be like, take all our first-round picks plus pick swaps. Give us Lillard. And you have Jalen Brown on top of that. Makes too much sense. Let's move forward. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's start let's it off. About... Let's start off as a, on a positive note. Ended with fucking <laughs> Boston again. Fuck. All right. Uh, any any last words you want you want to throw in there before we nah, move on? I feel like I, I muddied the waters enough. But hey, Dame ain't wasn't the first point guard that got linked to the Knicks in the last few days. Mm. Uh, to more of a to kind of pivot to more of a realistic scenario and. It, there's been a lot of chatter about it. Um, but, yeah, Colin Sexton, man, Cleveland Cavalier, man who was the pick that Cleveland acquired for Kyrie, who ended up taking Kyrie's jersey number, is apparently on the block. And Shams Charania, the big report that kicked this all off, that kicked off this whole, like, kind of a Colin Sexton discussion around the Knicks community, Shams reported we're the most aggressive suitor for... Um, for, for Sexton and he kind of nestled that into a big article that had multiple multiple kind of uh, nuggets of rumors but that's the one that obviously Knicks fans latched on to so on top of that that same day I'm gonna I'm hit you with a two for one right now a Cleveland reporter who seems to be legitimate um, Macri had him on the no not Macri um, Locked On Knicks had him, had, had him on to talk about it but he's a Cleveland rep- writer slash blog uh, blog um Blogger slash beat writer, yeah. yeah. Um, he said that the reported offer on the table right now is Ob Knox and our and 
the 19th pick this year mm-hmm. for Sexton. Um, yeah, what are, your, what are your thoughts on just, I guess, our pursuit, two points, our pursuit of Sexton and that reported offer? Like, what are your thoughts on those two? Well, the pursuit of Sexton should definitely make sense because of the obvious gaping hole for the Knicks this season, which was an otherwise successful season, uh, top four team that made it to the playoffs. Was was that was that the point guard? Alfred Payne was inarguably the worst player that the that the Knicks had, especially on the starting five. Uh, Colin Sexton will fill that would will fill that position admirably, as would maybe ninety nine percent of the point guards in this league. But Sexton is a twenty two year old, you know, guy who is dropping twenty points plus per game, and is an avid scorer, can drive in on anybody with lightning speed, and has an efficient shot. Um, some of the downsides of his, you know, capabilities is defense, one and two, you know, a lot of people are questioning his passing ability. Now, the pursuit of Colin Sexton makes 100% sense. I think most teams should at least keep an eye out to see, one, why are the Cavs trying to get rid of him, and two, um, you know, what he can bring to the table, but also a, an extra bonus, three, what's his contract going to look like in a couple of years because he is up for an extension uh, next after next season, and the max that he could take, I believe, is $168 million or just about $29 million a year. So the, the main question marks you got to fill in or, or ask yourself uh, are, is he a guy who is going to make your team better? Two, is he going to really hit the cap or the team salary with, with his amount? Is he worth it? And um, three, is he good enough or is he able to get better than he is right now? Or is he a guy who could be the next Andrew Wiggins where he's progressing for a couple of years and then kind of just falls flat. Um, so those are the main things I'm looking out for. The research I'm doing are to answer those questions. Um, did I answer both of those? What was the second one? Just the offer. But before we actually do move on to the offer, because I feel like there was some good stuff you just pointed out. The Wiggins thing... I, I, I might have to push back on that just because the thing about Wiggins was it was all potential before he got his deal. That was the biggest thing that people were trying to like sell folks on with Wiggins. That like, oh, he's inefficient, but he's athletic, he's young, and he's at least improving year by year. He's getting less inefficient year by year. Sexton, say what you will, he had a highly efficient season last year, all things considered. A 57% true shooting percentage, 24 points per game at, at, at the ripe age of 22. You know what I mean? That was why the Wiggins kind of contract was problematic is because he got thrown the bag purely on potential. He hadn't shown enough by that point. The Wiggins mm-hmm. reputation at that point, the book was already written on him. He's He was he was a disappointment, but he wasn't com- a complete bust slash, slash scrub. He just was that second guy Jimmy was yelling at in, 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 the, lo- <laughs> in, in the gym yeah. aside from Cat. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's the one that got yelled at. He's like, yes, yes sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So... I think that's that's the difference between the two. Second, what we hear all about in terms of positives, what we hear about Sexton reputation-wise is what sets him apart from Wiggins as well. Sexton, from all accounts, seems to be a maniacal worker, work ethic kind of guy. And Wiggins, that's been the biggest book like knock on him. He doesn't he doesn't want it enough. The old cliche. That's the difference. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that kind of. I don't want to say it lessens my worry about throwing him the bag. Because we'll get to the contract, but but it doesn't make me fear giving him the bag. Because I don't think he's a type Sexton. Obviously, I don't know. I'm not a sports psychologist, but from what you see as from the fan perspective, 
he don't seem like the type to get paid and just be like, all right, I'm good now. Mm-hmm. I got as good as I can be for the money. You know what I mean? I feel like Wiggins, he, do, he does be- basketball as a hobby. He, he's not dedicated to it like that. And he'll, he'll get paid. He'll go to Golden State. He'll be the employee that wants to just like fit into the team but doesn't want to stand out even though he has all the talent in the world. You know what I mean? I think Sex, I think Sexton wants to be that guy, which going to some of the negatives you mentioned, possibly obviously passing, defense. He's there's some there's always been some chatter. We even joked about it years back on a podcast where I like, remember in his rookie season, apparently word came out all the Cavs vets were like, Yo, this kid don't know how to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, that seems like a problem when you spend a top ten pick on a kid that doesn't play the sport. <laughs> and then this past season, um, from legitimate Cavs sources, yep. apparently that um some players didn't like playing with them, you know what I mean? Or that um other opposing teams would talk shit saying like, yo, your teammates don't even like playing with you or something like that. Something along those lines. I'm vaguely recalling, you know what I mean? So with all that being said, I kind of get what you mean about and just in terms of like the pursuit of him makes sense, but you got to consider all these negatives, right? But turning our attention to the deal, unless you had some like, unless you had something to say about like, I guess my pushback to your, to your point about the Wiggins thing. No, I mean, the Wiggins thing was something that I've, I, I don't agree with that. It's just something that I'm just pointing out the negatives that were being made about Colin. I don't I, from I I don't watch Colin a two games a year. I think I watched the three games they played against the Knicks and random clips here and there of him. And from what I've seen, I saw the, I saw the games he played against Brooklyn. That man had yeah, been dead against like, Brooklyn. But yeah, go that on. kid <laughs> that kid like works his ass off and is is always like there's that one play of his that you know it's funny to look at because he went on Shaq and a fool. But you know that play where he like. He was guarding a guy, and he took, like, 20 steps just, like, guarding him up. It's fucking the hilarious. Was that when he was, like, slapping the floor, and he's just, like, fucking, That's like, that, No, there's another one up. where he, oh, he's, like, you. guarding two guys, and he's, like, going back and forth, doesn't know which way to go, but he's still guarding both guys at the same time. It looks fucking hilarious, but I see the effort, and I see, like, I, I, see, I see the kid, like, really trying to play his ass off, and the percentages are there. He Does he take enough shots, though, is another question, but, you know, the, the passing ability wasn't shown as much until Garland got injured late in the year. And there's so many clips, I think you're going to get into that, um, of his capabilities as a passer. And it is a lot better than he showed throughout the season. He had to pretty much play the main point guard when Garland was out. And we saw a lot of ability as a passer. Um, what was I going to say? What was, the, what was the other one? Um I don't know. I'm a third. No, I was just asking about the Wiggins pushback. But, like, to yeah. your point, though, like, you brought up a good point that I feel like kind of gets under undersold. I feel like Cleveland did him a disservice just by, like, the, the year after he got drafted, they took another point guard. Mm-hmm. So it's that basically pigeonholed Sexton into being, like, the scoring combo. And I like Garland more as a prospect in terms of, like, a pure point kind of prospect. So I get what Cleveland was doing. It just, like, at that moment, I felt like it was a dumb pick. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because, like, to me, that told me I get the idea of best player available, but I always kind of disagree with that. Get the best player available at your position that you need that you could help build a roster for. It's why, like, I like the Sixers' process, but I never fuck with them taking three centers in a row. I like the Embiid pick. The Noel pick was understandable. That came before Embiid. But they're taking Okafor after you already took those two guys, then it makes sense. So, like, Cleveland kind of did sexing a disservice because a year after they took him they're just basically like all right he's not our point guard so we'll take another point guard and uh, being a young player obviously i don't know the kid and from his improvement it doesn't seem to have deterred him that much but it's got to play a role into how he plays the game you know what i mean he's like okay 
I got Darius out here. He's the playmaker. I got to go get buckets because we're Cleveland and we got nobody else to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and then to your point, when Garland went out, you see these clips. He got some nice passes in his bag. Like, there's some stuff that, like, where working with somebody like Johnny Bryant would help. You know what I mean? And I saw a, a, a tweet that killed me. It was just, like, a clip of young CP3 and the Hornets just doing some mad, nasty, fancy shit. Hmm. And it was just, like, Colin Sexton being coached by Johnny Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see it, bro. Um, and as far as... You know what? We'll we'll see. We'll we'll save the discussion for the deal for last because I I like talking about sex in the player, uh, and the fit on the team to the point about it making sense. Go through Tibbs' entire history as a coach, bro. He prefers score first point guards. Like he's a defensive minded coach, but you look at his history. The point guard position is a position where he least kind of emphasizes defense. With our roster this year. Well, I feel like with the Alfred Payne thing, that was mad obvious. That was a CAA politics move, you know what I mean? Because when push came to sub, shove in the playoffs, he just benched Payton, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but regardless, aside from the Payton kind of instance, he'd always prefer these the smaller score-first guys. D-Rose, obvious example. And then that string of, like, backup point guards that were replacing D-Rose year by year. John Lucas, Nate Robinson, DJ Ogson, small score-first guys in Chicago. He got to Minnesota... After that first year, he didn't make any moves. That was, like, a, a big thing back then. Like, Tibbs didn't come and tear everything down. It was the offseason after when he traded for Butler and started adding veteran pieces where you got to look at how Tibbs saw team building. And, yeah, he traded for Butler, but he also signed Jeff Teague, who at that point, he's cooked right now, totally washed. But at that point, he was still, like, a decent scoring point guard. You know Probably, I mean? like, a year removed from being an all-star. Exactly, yeah. He was just playing with PG in Indiana where he was kind of his secondary scorer there. And, you know, I'm not, I've never been a fan of Teague's game. I Actually, I, let me take that back. I wanted the Knicks to trade for Teague way back when we still had Melo and it was a rumor. I was like, yo, we just need somebody that could, like, bring the ball up and score and take pressure off Melo. That's neither here nor there. Point being, that's what Tibbs look for in a, in a point guard, scoring. He just wants them to just worry about attacking, simplify their reads at almost, you know what I mean? Because you saw D-Rose come in the season, and he just, it was natural to him to fit, you know, obviously going back to his relationship with Tibbs. So I'm thinking Sexton is going to be a nice fit in that Tibbs offense, bro. And when you watch the playoffs, the biggest thing, Randall stunk like hell, but it never, he never had a release valve. He never had, like, a secondary playmaker he could just pass it to that kid in a, in a second reaction moment, you know, break break the defense down and get something for either himself or the team. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We were relying too much on D-Rose for that, and he, D-Rose, like, broke down. So that's why I think basketball-wise, to your point about the pursuit makes sense, it makes sense in that in that terms of fit and scheme. You know what I mean? Like, he's the exact archetype of a player that Tibbs wants at the point guard position. And as opposed to worrying about Peyton's dumbass takes to the rim, him trying to be a scorer, we have a kid that's already documented to this point be to be a better scorer than Peyton ever was. You know what I mean? So I definitely think I, you, you could probably tell I'm talking myself in a sexton. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's I, I agree with all your points. Um, the efficiency is very important, and thankfully he has that. His and it was a point that I made in the, in the last go around here. His knack for shooting the three pointer isn't necessarily there. He doesn't, and I, I read this in some article. I forgot who wrote it, but. Um, he doesn't take contested shots at all. Almost very little percent of his three-point shots are contested shots, and without him doing that, 
the Knicks don't necessarily have a shooter on the team. RJ, most of his three-point shots were off the catch. Not, and, yeah, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it now. In the Olympics that he's starting to, you know, dibble dabble and trying to, you know, do pull up threes. Uh, Randall got a lot better at pull up threes, but it's, I'm just wondering, like, let's say, how do you picture the perfect possession of of the Knicks if Colin Sexton, and Randall, and RJ were on that same team? Who do you who do you picture from your end at the moment bringing up the ball and kind of just organizing everybody and you know getting that getting that bucket? Are you are you picturing Randall bringing up the ball, or are you picturing Colin Sexton bringing up the ball? How do you how do you see it going? That's a good question. I feel like this season has been a good proof of concept for how we should build if Randall's going to be part of it. I think that point forward role is perfect for him. You know what I mean? Just the biggest problem this season, to answer your question, around back to your question, but the biggest problem this season was our point guard position. I saw Knicks fans were infuriated. Like, yo, put a better threat out there at point guard which would take the pressure off Julius. And yeah, his numbers was crazy this season, but they could have been better. They could have been more efficient even. Especially RJ as well, you know what I mean? Like instead of like having a point guard that's a constraint out there for your two big wing playmakers, you have a point guard that's a threat. That's why our offense and our team in general took off when D-Rose came in to the picture, you know what I mean? So as far as how you, how I think the possession, to answer your question, how I think a good possession would go or on a night-by-night basis how our offense will look, I think we'll maintain that Randall as the engine of the team kind of template, but then you swap out Peyton for Sexton, give Sexton more minutes, give Sexton the minutes that D Rose couldn't handle. Which nothing wrong with that. D Rose is a warrior playing through his history of knee injuries, but you give Sexton all those minutes from Peyton, you know what I mean, and sprinkle in obviously IQ as that combo six man off the bench. It's a nice fit because like around Randall, you'll have rim pressure with Robinson. You'll have RJ's spot-up shooting, which has been impeccable, and him growing into a secondary wing scorer. And as a playmaker, he's always had those passing chops. You'll have, like, let's say, in our lineup with IQ out there, you'll have his shooting ability. Then you'll have Sexton, who can shoot on the catch, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 68% of, I'm looking at basketball reference right now, 68% of his shots from three were assisted. Right. So he knows how to shoot spot-up. And he can at- attack a closeout. And we missed... Sorely until D-Rose got on the team, and even with D-Rose on the team, we missed having, like, transition threat. D-Rose would do whatever he could when he came into the game to pick up the pace and attack. Now, if we do bring Rose back on top of Sexton, we'll have 48 minutes of uh, point guards, aggressive point guards attacking, pushing the pace, same way we'd have 48 minutes of rim protection with Noel and Mitch. You know what I mean? So I think, to in a roundabout way, I think Sexton is that kind of... He would upgrade the offense we already have in place. It wasn't a pretty offense, but I feel like a lot of that could be offset by better personnel because we were, what, like 23rd ranked offense. Um, most of our stuff was isolation, kind of post-up stuff, you know what I mean? We slowed it down. I think if you add in a good one-on-one score bucket getter like Sexton in an isolation kind of focused offense, that only helps the, the situation for all involved, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Or yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just wondering if we have... If we're going to basically have three of the same kind of player in Sexton, RJ, and Randall, guys who can pass the ball, but they're not perfect at it, guys who can shoot the three, but they're not going to really do a, a pull-up three, and guys who are good at attacking the basket, are we are we getting are we 
becoming re a redundant team, especially since we don't know who's gonna get that two and four, get that two position. We need a sharpshooter for sure. And don't, yo, I would love to have Duncan Robinson. He's a restricted free agent. He's probably gonna get the bag. Nice. But that aside, uh, we don't know who that number two position is gonna be. Let's assume it's Reggie Bullock again. Are we gonna? Are is there gonna be redundancy if it's Colin Sexton, RJ, and, and Randall? I don't think it's redundancy because I think Sexton brings an angle to the team that we've been missing that RJ and Randall don't necessarily have on a consistent basis, which is consistently breaking down the defense with quickness and getting into the teeth of the D. You okay. know what I mean, RJ's drives in a half court setting, at least now to this point, he's like a bull in a china shop. You know what I mean? Like he needs to work on his finishing, but when he does get to the rim, it's bully ball getting into the rim. It's not like a quick, uh, quick twitch kind of like, you know what I mean, break down the defense with the handles and get in. It's more so like catches the ball, gets the pick, or gets a handoff and attacks like a runaway train. And, you know, that's attacking with brute strength. And Randall, too, he, he didn't drive as much this season. Like, and it was out of necessity because a lot of his minutes were patent. But he realized to offset that lack of driving lanes, I'll pull up from midi, you know what I mean? He became a perimeter-oriented point forward you know what i mean mm. um he wasn't like attacking the rim consistent with, with consistent basis he was pulling up for mid-range he was making plays he was like um getting into isolation positions so that like when he would drive he would kick it out and force the rotations what we needed and what they wanted from peyton and why like you saw peyton kind of go from having quote-unquote respectable assist numbers to like poor ones as a point guard mm -hmm. they needed or they wanted peyton to be that attacker that attacking point guard that could complement RJ and Randall's games. You know what I mean? I think that's Sexton. You know what I mean? And it, it, you saw it too because our best like efficiency-wise lineups were with Rose, RJ, and Randall out there, the trio. You know what I mean? He made their games better and vice versa because, you know, it's just basically saying to yourself, like, it's not redundancy. It's almost like he fills a void. I don't think it's necessarily redundant. I see what you mean. They're playmakers. You know what I mean? But Sexton gives a different kind of playmaking. I mean, it's kind of the difference you're seeing with um, in the finals right now, to bring that up as an example. Like, my prediction was Milwaukee would win. But what aesthetically looking at it, and they're winning because they got Giannis, the better player. But you see how Randall, not Randall, uh, Middleton and Holiday, their drives are kind of just brute drive, uh, brute force drives to the, to the rim. But then you see uh, Booker or, even, or obviously Chris Paul, it's like quick twitch, kind of like uh, uh, handles, you know what I mean, getting to the lane in a different kind of manner. It's like more uh, fluid, like kind of breaking down the defense as opposed to just, I see, you're you're in front of me, I'm trying to get to the rim, I'm just going to bully ball my way. That's Julius, that, that's fucking Drew Holiday and that's Julius and that's RJ. Sexton has that, but he's smaller, quicker, to your point. He's mm -hmm. not like De'Aaron Fox out there, where he's like a he's turbo quick, back in his ass. Fast. But yeah, he's quick, exactly. And in our offense, in the playbook that Tibbs has run for the last decade plus, he prefers those kind of point guards. So it's not about redundancy. It's about filling a hole that's, that hasn't been filled aside from D-Rose's off the bench. And let me address the two, two elephants in the room, and I want to throw it right back at you again. One is the obvious contract. And is he is he worth twenty nine mil a year? Colin Sexton, as good as he could be, twenty nine mil a year. And the other elephant in the room is there's another player that you know Knicks fans alike like us are looking at as a potential add to the team. That's that's one Lonzo Ball who would 
probably come in cheaper because you wouldn't have to trade a lot. You wouldn't have to trade assets to get him. And I don't think he's, his his contract is going to be demand, as demanding as Colin Sexton. So. I don't think that's necessarily true just to stay on the assets part because he's a restricted free agent. If there's other suitors out there, we'd have to. it would have to be like a restricted signing trade where we would have to give up some kind of assets in return. You know what I mean? Um, but I'll get into that. But the whole... Are you asking basically Colin versus Alonzo? Is that pretty what much? Did? Pretty much. Let's say for argument's well, sake, you gotta you gotta get you, you gotta give up the same kind of assets. It's really just let's say Lonzo comes in at a little cheaper than Colin Sexton. I think overall we we can agree that he probably will come in a little cheaper overall, whether it's through assets or through contract. But overall, Lonzo's a little cheaper. But does he fit? Would he would he fit better with the Knicks, or does Colin Sexton fit better, and that's why he's more worth the money than Lonzo to answer that I'm gonna actually address the, the point you brought up initially before all this is the contract like that being something we have to be wary about in terms of the acquiring sex it's like it's like the KP situation where I shit on Tim McMahon of ESPN because he was saying the deal was good but the contract wasn't no it's all one and the same so it's sex and it would be one and the same whatever we get enough for sex and on top of the contract extension we're gonna give him and when you ask me like what do I think he's worth basically He's worth what the, what the market will dictate. He's a restricted free agent in that regard. So with Sexton, I, it could be a situation like like we, you know what I mean? It's just, we see it every summer with restricted free agents. Zach Levine, good example in, in Chicago. Chicago wanted to keep him. They just, he was their prize jewel in the Jimmy Butler trade. But they didn't necessarily want to give him big, super extension money. Extension money. They didn't want to be the ones to plop that on him. So they're like to Levine, yo, go out to the market. Get yourself a deal we like, bring it back to us, and we'll decide to match it or not. He went out, he signed an offer sheet with Sacramento, which was less than his max, but still kind of pricey. Or it might have been his exact max. Chicago matched it, you know what I mean? And it kind of did them a disservice because it was, it was one of, it's, as opposed to being like a f- flat five-year max that they would only they would have been able to give Levine. It was a four-year max with a player option on the fourth year. You know what I mean? So it went from having him locked down for five years versus three years, basically. But point is, they let the market dictate what Levine was worth. And I feel like Sexton, if we bring him in, he shows himself to be a positive. He shows himself to be exactly what we and I, you and I just talked about in terms of like the fit and tibs and the best case scenario. He plays to that level. He reaches expectations. He blows away expectations. That could be possible, just like Julius did. I think the Knicks would happily give him the extension or... They'll happily match whatever offer they get in the summer. But I think regardless, that's the whole point of kind of bringing a guy in like Sexton. On the last year of his rookie deal, the team, especially in this scenario, has all the power, basically. You know what I mean? So it's advantageous in that regard. I think what made Mm -hmm. KP different from Dallas was he was the unicorn. He had made all-star games. You know what I mean? He was uh, the quote-unquote the franchise savior of the Knicks. So, perception-wise, they had to give KP that big max extension because the Knicks were getting shit on for not wanting to give him that extension. You know what I mean? Remember, that was a talking point. Howard Beck leading the charge. He was like, oh, one of the main reasons is the Knicks didn't want to pay him, and Dallas will happily pay him. I was like, okay, how's that working out now, two years later? Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. But that's, that's my point with Sexton. I think the contract, it's almost like an overplayed worry at this point. He's, he's on his rookie deal. He's a restricted free agent. The, the market and the team has all the leverage and all the power in this scenario. But bringing that back to the Lonzo conversation to see if I can hit everything at once. 
with Lonzo, he is going to be restricted. And I brought up Levine, and that was for a reason. I don't know if you've seen social media, a lot of clips. Levine's hanging out with Lonzo often. And conspicuously, mm-hmm. Lonzo's always wearing red and or black in every video. He, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Not that ass. And then, like, Chicago's been linked to Lonzo. And the Clippers. I think Lonzo wants yeah. to go play with Levine. Cool. I think that's going to be a sign-and-trade situation. I think Lonzo's going to be sign-and-traded to Chicago. Levine's going to re-up. Boom, they got their little core right there with Vucevic as their big three. Mazel tov. Good luck to Chicago. But, you know what I mean? I think it almost, it might be a moot argument, but for the sake of this discussion, I prefer Sexton to Levine just because I don't think Lonzo, especially with how we just described Tibbs's preferred archetype for a point guard Lonzo isn't that and it's been kind of spoken at nauseum but he's not a break you down half court like explosive point guard he's more of a connector type he's more of a uh, he's his bread and butter is those like kick ahead passes and transition of feeding folks you know what I mean and now he's almost like I brought up previously he's almost like a souped up like three and d wing Lonzo and ideally I mean this is a conversation we can get into right now you could probably get both of them, and they would fit together. Sexton, Lonzo in the backcourt with RJ and Randall and Mitch, with the amount of cap space we got. Yeah. I mean, before we get to that, but like, what's your take on that? I feel like you prefer Lonzo over Colin as a player, and just in terms of roster construction and financial fit. If I saw, uh, honestly, I like Sexton over Lonzo overall. I would just want to see him putting up more contested threes overall. Defense, a lot of people are going to point to defense. But the thing is that the Knicks were one of the top-ranked defensive teams with Alfred Payton on it. With a lot of random different role players on it, they still managed to put it together as team defense, and as a team, they were elite. They don't necessarily need to have the best individual defensive players to be that good overall. They cover each other's you know, uh, faults. But... Um, yeah, no. Overall, I would, I would choose, I would choose Sexton over him. What was your? I'm blanking. What was your question? Just like, I mean, I, I mean, I was just asking who you prefer. Okay. Just like both, like, like point A being as a player fit, and mm. point two, who would you prefer with, uh, with, with the financial context and the roster construction context in mind as well? Right. But so y'all, does that change anything? Or the the other thing that you mentioned was whether or not we would get both of them together and my concern with that is what about the future contracts with rj barry and mitchell robinson i i don't know the details behind that but at some point or another they're going to need extensions in the next year or two and rj i think will probably be expecting a max or at least close to it and mitchell robinson is going to be he's going to be demanding you know a decent uh, you know pretty penny himself maybe not a max but you know he's going to want to he's going to want a lot of money and those guys are a cornerstone so again is it is it worth the risk with Lonzo Ball and Colin Sexton bringing them over and then figuring out the financials later? I think it would be a, a squad with those two plus, you know. The, it's young. The, it, uh, mm-hmm. the pieces fit. But to your point about RJ and Mitch's contract, so goes back to the team having all the power. And that's the beauty of, like, us having their bird rights. Like, we can yeah. go into the luxury tax and pay them what they're worth. And element to consider here, if we if in this hypothetical scenario where we, both, we end up with both Lonzo and Colin, and we re-up Julius, we got RJ and Mitch waiting in the wings, we got IQ. It doesn't, just because we signed Sexton or Lonzo long-term doesn't necessarily mean they're here long-term. Those are tradable contracts as well, you know what I mean? And they're still young enough where they, exactly. they can shift their narrative to the point where maybe in the future, they're worth throwing into a, a trade for a star, you know mm. what I mean? What if in three, four years, 
What if in two years Don Mitchell's like, all right, I'm done with Utah. We got Sexton on our on a, on a contract. We got Lonzo. We still have picks. Package that for Mitchell. Boom, you got yourself an upgrade. You know what I mean? And that's could be that kind of scenario. That's what we have the cap flexibility for, and we have a boatload of draft picks. If we can swap out Obi and Knox and like two draft picks and end up with Sexton and Lonzo Ball, that's a fucking win on multiple yeah. levels. That that's a huge off season. And at that point, the Knicks would most likely end up being top three. I mean, we got top four without those guys, and top three is definitely attainable yeah, at that point. Yeah, but to, the, to that top three, top four combo, though, it's like I want to see – this year is going to be interesting to see fans back. It's going to be a regular NBA season, quote-unquote. I'm still I'm still wary. I'm still worried about, like, what effect the empty arena thing had on it, uh, had on our guys, had on the team's success. Uh, Julius, obviously, uh, is of specific concern with that, with how he played in the playoffs. But I expect – us to kind of maybe regress a little bit, but I think that's why this offseason is key. You're looking for pieces that not only complement what you've established and built, your proof of concept, but can also kind of maybe offset any regression from your current core pieces to the point where they'll cancel out any regression and at least, you know, you improve the environment and then these main guys, maybe their shooting isn't as hot as it was last season. It wouldn't matter as much because we have more collective talent. You know what I mean? So I think in a scenario where we get Lonzo and Colin Sexton, you're definitely going to be fighting fighting that whole regression narrative pretty pretty well. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, maybe Kyle Lowry and Colin Sexton would be would be better. I was thinking about that, bro. Like one big-ass contract to, to Lowry. And what hit me as a perfect – I was just like, why would he take a one-year contract? But – what hit me as a good comparison, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but it was like a few years back when we J.J. Reddick signed with the Sixers, the, his first contract with the Sixers was just like a one-year, $23 million deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he did it because they were a young team on the rise, and he eventually got a contract extension after that. Maybe we could convince Lowry to come for one-year, 25 mil. If you like what you see, if we if we like what how you fit and possibly think you could fit with the future star, we'll give you another one-year, 25 mil the next year, and he's... You know, Chris Paul is fighting the age narrative right now. You know what I mean? He went vegan or whatever the fuck, killing that 36, 35. Yeah. Maybe Lowry can do the same. I mean, that chunky boy don't look vegan to me. But, <laughs> you know I mean? We'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that, bro. Bring Lowry in. You got Sexton and IQ as mentors and as, as, the, as the mentees. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, yo, you see IQ and Sexton are cool from their Team USA days yeah. for the under. And then, <laughs> yo... <laughs> The memes are just like, yo, your team just got fucked by quick sex. Because <laughs> yeah. the fucking Cleveland backcourt, they've been calling sex land. Yeah. Bunch of horny people in Ohio, bro. <laughs> uh, all right. I, but yeah, I mean, it feels like Nick is just pro-sex in. Yeah? yeah, for sure, for sure. Do you want to talk about the deal, though? That's what well, we talked about everything else aside from that package, but value-wise with Sexton. Easy. Top in Knox in 19 or 21? Easy, easy. I mean, Would you do both nineteen and twenty one though. No, Would well, you both first, I, then, then I'll have to think about it a little bit. Um, mm. All right, let me let me. We we're gonna wrap up in a little bit. I just want to flip this oh, real yeah, quick yeah. question at you. Would you rather make that trade package and give up nineteen, just nineteen, and twenty? Actually, no, nineteen and twenty one, or use those guys and move up to the top five? Use OB in 19 and 21. OB, OB, Knox, 19, 21, and you get to move up. Would you rather have Sexton or a top five pick, pretty much? Top seven. First of all, I don't think that would get you a top five. Because, like, uh, that's why I said seven. Pick, 
Yeah, but a draft pick, a draft prospect, it's like buying a car. It loses value as soon as like you drive it off the lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as we pick OB, that eighth overall pick last year was worth more than what OB is now, basically, is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Mm. So I don't think it would be enough to get into the top five. And I don't think any of these top five teams is going to try to trade down with us all the way down to 19-21 for the, for the right to have OB top and then maybe pay Knox next summer. You know what I mean? Fair, 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 fair. Um, But... It's a fair question. Uh, how about let me kind of remix that question and then we'll close out. Would you rather do that rumored Sexton deal, um, Knox, OB, 19 for Sexton, or would you rather take 19, 21, and even, was it 32, the second round pick, to move up into the top 10 for a prospect? What would you rather do? I guess that's kind of similar to what I was asking, but it makes more sense. Yeah, but like split it, up because yeah. we don't have to use OB to trade up. Right. Uh, I probably go with Sexton because at that point, you you got a sure product and you know what you're getting and Facts. you can prepare for it earlier rather than you're kind of starting from square one in a way with with the draft picks. And if Sexton's off the table, then shit, I'd still go for that top ten pick. No no doubt about it. We still got a young team, but if- I'm just I'm just hoping as, as we like wind down, I'm just hoping the Sexton rumor isn't just uh, Leon doing CAA a favor. Because Sexton was rep by Leon. His current agent is Austin Brown, who happens to rep Obi. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this is like old Leon giving a CAA pal pals some uh, some like market value. Like, hey, we'll say we're interested to drive up your client's market price, so then like he could go to Miami or some shit. You know what I mean? And you do us a favor later on. Who knows? I just hope it's not that. I just hope this is genuine interest, and I just hope we end up with Sexton. I think it's too explicitly mentioned that the Knicks have interest that it can't be. A smokescreen, because yeah, at that point, yeah, yeah. say there are no, say there is no interest, and then Collins, what the fuck you guys do? Like you guys said, you had interest, you're not signing me. I got nobody, and I'm gonna, you know, go to like fucking, I don't know. Yeah, it's like the D Rose situation. We shams dropped that the Knicks are aggressive in pursuit of D Rose. Few days later, we had him, mm-hmm. and that's why it's it. That's part the optimistic person in me is just be like, okay, so that's what makes it different from all the other bullshit rumors about us being interested in so and so. We were this quote unquote only suitor for uh for a sexton in that rumor you know what i mean so i have a feeling that maybe shit like i feel like these deals are agreed to in times like the draft like lead up to the draft and then we see them get made on draft night you know what i mean because it's the official start of the uh new off season but yeah i mean we'll see bro i mean hopefully we you know d rose said uh, he might not come back because we're we're, we're planning big things or the front office planning big things so hope that comes to fruition you know what i mean mm-hmm um, yeah. All right. One last question. We got game five of the NBA Finals tonight in Phoenix. Who you got? You know I'm sticking my prediction, bro. We halfway there. <laughs> Giannis <laughs> and, uh, and the Bucks, bro. Like, Middleton, I told you, he turns into Kobe when he's in front of that Milwaukee crowd. Something about seeing these cheeseheads and milk-drinking racists that just gets his blood <laughs> popping, ready to live up to that Mamba mentality. But it's just about if you can deliver like that during this um this game at phoenix but yo that block by Giannis, bro good lord Woof! this man is a superhero bro for real that was some fantastic four shit where he just like almost seemed like he like fucking space jam 2 was out it was like when fucking mj just like reached his hand Mm -hmm. out in the original space jam and just extended how he how do you do that bro Uh, because you slow that clip down he's still turning looking at booker when like ayton is like two seconds away from catching the ball bro this man is a superhero bro what the hell? He froze time, turned around, got up, and then 
Put it, it back on play. It was almost like that LeBron block on Tiago Splitter in the finals Yo, where he like yeah. he bit on the pump fake, but then he just leapt all the way back up and just blocked the shit out of it. I think this is better than that, just because of like the angles, mm -hmm. the moment. You know what I mean? Finals. Tiago Splitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, no. The other one was in the finals too. Who am I kidding? Um, I mean, in the Iggy block, I feel like that people are kind of having that debate: the Giannis block versus the bronze block on Iggy. Mm -hmm. I still choose the bronze block just because situation context wise. Easy, like easy. it was fast break. Yeah. Game seven at Golden State. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. So, First ring for for Cleveland. Block, so. so like the narrative is yep. so much crazier. Facts, um, facts. But yeah, crazy block, bro. I had to give a shout out to the to the Greek freak. Yeah. Fucking, I'm rooting for Milwaukee, bro. Giannis is such a good dude, man. I I dig what he what he brings to the table. Mm. All right. What about you? What um, I I think I think CP3 is gonna turn around this game. He's been off the last. He's been really off the last game or two. Shaving points. Um, shaving points. He, he uh, looks so bad. He, he gonna put it back together in Phoenix tonight. I think they. I think Phoenix got this one. It's gonna be three two tonight, Phoenix. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening to this edition of Nickish. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show and subscribe to our YouTube channel also at Nickish Show. Uh, follow us on all podcasting platforms. Give us a five-star review if you can. We'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, uh, make sure you look out for next week's episode. Until next time, take care. Peace. All right, bro. Peace.